So today we're talking with Gianna Gaudini. Gianna is an experienced event industry thought leader, speaker, author, course creator, and advisor with 20 plus years of experience. She's the head of events at Airtable and formerly held the role of head of events at AWS SoftBank Vision Fund in Google. Gianna is the author of Amazon best-selling book, The Art of Event Planning, and creator of the e-learning course, Million Dollar Event Planning Career. Her specialties and focus are driving global event strategy, brand awareness, diversity and inclusion, events and experiences that drive business results, brand and reputation. Gianna has a powerful platform supporting the industry as a speaker and writer and created Million Dollar Event Planning Career to share her personal strategies for how to build a career in event planning or take your career to the next level. She is a guest speaker at the California State Schools and her book is part of their hospitality program curriculum. In addition to her passion for creating impactful experiences and events, Gianna holds her court of master sommelier certifications, is a certified interior designer, former concert pianist, and marathon runner. Welcome to Eventist 365, a show where we talk to proven leaders and trendsetters in the corporate event industry and find out what it takes to create amazing and impactful corporate events. I'm your host, Yanit DaCosta. Let's start the show. So, all the exciting things. I'm like super, super excited to have you. Really glad that you took the time out to talk with me. I'm really glad that you just even wanted to or were willing and open to pop a spot with someone out of the blue. So let's get off or get it going, get the questions going with, what is the most common myth about corporate event planning? Oh, that's an easy one. I think the most common myth about corporate event planning is that it's this extremely glamorous career and that it's party planning. So for anyone who wants to get into corporate event planning, and I'm not talking about wedding planning or celebrity, you know, social event planning, but for corporate event planning, there's a lot of hard, unglamorous behind the scenes work, you know, and also a lot of it is very strategic and content focused and budget juggling and people wrangling and communication. So contrary to what many people may think or see in the movies, there's hardly any Pinterest board creating. And, you know, honestly, I spend the least amount of my time on things that are really fun, like planning food and beverage and decor for events. A lot of what I'm doing is a lot more strategic in nature and a lot more thinking through how to create an experience, an attendee journey, marketing the event, delivering impact and ROI. And another thing is event planners seldom actually get to enjoy the events that they have spent so many hours planning. So yeah. for those of you that like attending parties and events, that's great. You probably won't be enjoying your own that much because you'll be behind the scenes. This is not 
it's not like you're planning your wedding that where you're the star. But that said, I think it's really important for corporate event planners to attend other events several times a year. I try to do it. It's really hard to break away from our busy schedules. But when you attend other events, you get a chance to sit in the attendee seat and really get some inspiration and also see what pain points attendees have at events so that mm-hmm. you plan more strategically and empathetically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from, and those were like really great points, honestly. I think a lot of people really like miss the ball when it comes to corporate event planning specifically, right? Because they do think it's like this very glam things. It's like, oh, well, I get to travel here and I get to do this and I get to do this site visit and, you know, get all the, the airplane miles and all the fun stuff, right? But they miss the part where you're doing all this people wrangling, a lot of like, a lot of human resource management, right? And a lot of like logistics and a lot of connecting the pieces. And I really love how you were talking about attending other events, right? So that you don't create in a bubble because it's like, okay, well, here I have this corporate event structure, right? And I know what my objectives are and I may have a specific marketing journey that I need to actually push my attendees through. I probably shouldn't use the word push, but have my attendees travel through. But at the end of it, I still need to understand what's happening outside of my bubble so I can give them the best experience, right? Yeah. One thing that I recently was chatting about with another industry leader is thinking about two kinds of ROI. You know, there's your company's ROI when you're a corporate planner. So what are your objectives and key results? Why are you planning the event and what are the outcomes that you're hoping for? But then you also have to think about the attendee ROI. Why is an attendee going to take the time to maybe spend money and time away from their loved ones, their job and everything to go to your event and have a positive return on that investment that they're making. So yes, I think you have to think of it from both angles and we don't always instinctively do that. I think that's like a really big component of like the marketing aspect that a lot of corporate event planners really have to think about. Rolling kind of like from that a bit, how did you manage to find yourself within the corporate event planning niche? Oh, that's a great question. A lot of trial and error. I did not grow up, you know, as a child saying, I'm going to be a corporate event planner. I didn't even know that that was a career when I was my son's age. I have a five-year-old. So when I went to college, I was pre-med and was thinking I was going to be a doctor. I also explored a number of other career paths, doing internships and everything from architecture to law to PR, to name a few. So I did a lot of exploring And then I read a really great book when I graduated called How to Get a Job with Any Major. And it was a really awesome book in that it had you go through a number of exercises and kind of whittle down exactly the right kind of career that you could grow over time, you know, over decades based on all these different inputs that you were completing. And so that's how I aligned on event planning, seemed to bring together my analytical skills, my passion for aesthetics. And for putting on memorable experiences, you know, I had this goal of eventually owning my own company, which now I technically do. Although I do work as a corporate event planner, I do have my own LLC as well. So then once I had aligned on what I was going to do, it was about how I was going to do it. And so that was having a lot of informational conversations with people that I knew or was referred to. And that landed me at my first job up in San Francisco at a destination management company. 
And so from there, I spent a few years on the agency side, which I actually think was a really nice way to build my foundation going into corporate because I really learned the nuts and bolts of everything that goes into event operations and budgeting. And I learned a lot of vendors and venues and, you know, just built a really nice foundation. So eventually I found myself working in house at Google where I stayed for nine years. And then from there, you know, worked at other companies like Amazon, SoftBank, Vision Fund, and now Airtable. Okay. I love that. So Considering, you know, you've worked in event leadership at these different top-notch corporations, right? Like Amazon, Google. What is the most important lesson you feel like you've learned throughout your career? Oh, so many lessons. I'm a lifelong learner and like to say I have a growth mindset. I write about that in my book as well. But I think one of the lessons that I learned even before arriving at Google and Amazon was that you should never settle for anything less than excellent. When I got to Google, I think that's when I really took it to the next level of like, what is this concept of moonshots, which is not just striving for incremental innovation, but really taking that leap to innovate at every opportunity. So on a professional level, I would also say continually taking every opportunity to not only try new things and when possible, do risky things. You know, any data is good data is one thing that I learned. It's all feedback. You know, it's okay to pilot things. Sometimes they work out brilliantly. Other times they're inputs that inform a different direction and strategy. And along the way, I like to look at it as every new thing I'm doing is a new skill that I'm adding to my event planning toolkit. Another thing that I learned at Google, you know, the brand Google, they've done studies that people associate the brand Google with the word helpful more than any other word. And so as part of the culture there and by nature, part of the event experience, the stewards of the event experience we were creating, we just always try to be as helpful as possible. And so I've continued that ethos beyond Google, which is why I like doing podcasts like these to help the community and why I wrote my book and created my courses. We are only as successful as the peers that we surround ourselves by, the community that we work within, events are definitely not planned in a vacuum by one person. They really do take a village to pull off successfully. And so I think personal growth is super important and also making sure to share actively is something that I learned and continue to do to this day. I honestly appreciate that, Gianna. I think a couple of things that you said in like the last of your couple of answers, I felt like really resonated with me. The first one was like just trying different things, right? And like you kind of like see that trend with you just like throughout your like career, right? You're like, okay, well, I didn't exactly, you know, start out wanting to be a corporate event planner, right? Like I thought about like law and, you know, some of these other things. And then I went and I, sat down with this book and like did some research and had my own level of exploration. And I feel like I had my own level of exploration <laughs> and then somehow managed to, okay, this is the thing based on the skill sets that I have, based on the interests that I have that I want to go into. And I feel like I can have exponential growth. And it's only funny there because, you know, I'm a formally trained graphic designer, right? But for my entire family, I was always supposed to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, something in that regard. And so I actually started going down like these different paths of things that were like acceptable to like my family and what they thought was like the career path I should go down. And I was just like, 
yeah, no, no, that's not really my thing. And I think the only real difference between us in terms of like how we managed to move forward is I always felt like I was going to be some kind of creative. So graphic designer, interior designer, something like that. It was kind of like going against the grain and and pushing towards a career where people were just like, that's a thing. I did oh that. Oh, but you guys just make pretty pictures, right? Like how they think about corporate event plans. Well, they just have fun. They just go hang out. They have drinks. They don't really have much of anything, right? And so it's actually really interesting to kind of like hear that dynamic within your career field and kind of like do the the similarities between our own. That actually brings up a really good point too. When you touched on interior design, it, it sparked something in me, which is, you know, I remember coming to this point early in my career where I was wondering, do I go and get my certified meeting planner certification or another certification? And I had a mentor who later became my manager at Google. So it's great to have mentors. I was about to say mentors are so important in any industry. Yeah. Are amazing. And she told me, you know, at Google, nobody has a CMP. We actually like we don't love it because it's so by the book. We actually prefer a diverse group of people with different backgrounds, with like niche skills. And that was when I kind of, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I love to continuously learn, but if I'm not going to learn through an official program like that, what are some other areas in which I can create a niche and do something I'm passionate about that also I can leverage in my career? And so that's kind of how we got on this path of specializing in wine for a time. And I got my certified sommelier certification and started a wine blog and, oh, I love uh, that. you know, started writing about wine. And, you know, that was really fun. I moonlit as decantress for a time and it was a really fun hobby. And to this day, people, every company I met, including my current company, ping me to pick out their wine list. And it's the most fun thing that I do, to be honest. But my point being is, I later got my interior design certification because I thought, you know, I can hire an interior designer or I could take this online course myself. And then I'll not only have the skills to speak a little bit more cogently with the creatives that I'm working with on event decor and design. I actually just got out of a meeting with our creative team and I learned a new decor term. So always be learning. It's a great message to the audience is like, you don't necessarily have to go down the path of certifications that exist for your line of work. You can find other things to specialize in that you can leverage and create your own brand within this large realm that is event planning. It's all encompassing and there's definitely specialists within the industry. Absolutely. Sorry, it was a bit of a tangent, but I think you uh, no, brought I, a good point. I loved it and I really appreciate you for sharing it. I think that was more so a really important point that I probably wouldn't even have thought of, right? Like the collaborative experience that you can have with like these different individuals, but still being able to pull from very different kinds of backgrounds, right? Like, so for me as a graphic designer, right? Sometimes I might go for a walk and I might see a person that inspires me to come back and put together something completely outside of the box, right? And it sounds oh. like within your experience, you kind of have a similar approach where you're drawing from different backgrounds to create a more interesting solution. Yes, you nailed it. I mean, this is something that I wrote about in my book and I talk about in my course is like, 
it's so important that we get out from behind our computers. There's always going to be an endless to-do list when you're an event planner in this profession, but that's not where we get inspired. When was the last time you said, that's so inspired sitting through this meeting or working on my laptop? I very rarely get inspired. Sometimes it happens, but not often. But where I do get inspired is when I'm out in nature, when I'm in a new country, when I'm at a new restaurant, when I'm traveling somewhere different, when I'm meeting with new people, you know, when I'm doing a team building thing, you know, I just encourage people to, you have to focus. You actually have to focus on getting out from the work so that you can take a break, see the bigger picture and be inspired to bring some of that creativity and inspiration and diversity into what you're doing. So that's a really great point. Absolutely. So we know, you know, you are an author and you have all the skills and the experience to put together really great course material. In your million dollar event planning career course, you talk about taking things beyond the ballroom, right? So what is your favorite event format to produce? In-person, virtual, hybrid, especially based on, you know, how things have kind of transitioned over the last two years. I'm not going to lie, even though I do, I am an advisor for a virtual event company. And I think virtual events should definitely be part of corporate event portfolios for so many different reasons. I've just always loved in-person experiences. And when I've thought about why, I think it really comes down to they give you more surface area to delight all the senses. When you think about it, virtual doesn't allow for scent yet, let's say. I mean, maybe in some capacity you could plan for that. It's just a lot harder um, to do at scale. So I just really, really love creating these incredible, memorable experiences for people. So the more I can engage all your senses beyond just sight and sound, the better. And then to your point at the very beginning of our podcast, the one thing that is glamorous about corporate event planning is those fun site visits that you do when you're traveling with your team sourcing interesting venues, you know, having to taste wine and do the food tastings. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So those are really fun aspects of the job. And they're also just, you know, I think I really missed them during the pandemic when everything was virtual for a time, because I didn't realize how much I thrived off of being with my team and like spitballing in person and just having those opportunities when we're traveling to really bond and experience things outside of our computers, like I just mentioned. And then I also just find that in-person events, you know, while they may not be as sustainable and sometimes don't even have as good of ROI as virtual events, some can Mm -hmm. argue. For sure. They do tend to be better at strengthening relationships. And if you want attendees to go through a real transformation or metamorphosis as a result of your event, in person is the way to go. You can actually change people's lives through certain events. You think about events like the YPO organization puts on where people are bonding and sharing and having access to open up in safe places where they couldn't do that anywhere else. So I just love that having the capacity to change people in such a dramatic way. You know, it's interesting. So I have like two thoughts that came to mind immediately, right? Number one, I thought to myself, I feel like I've developed some really, really authentic relationships 
from just talking to people online, but I'm, I'm kind of weird, right? Like I'm the person who will send someone an email and be like, Hey, I really like that comment you dropped in the chat. You want to jump on zoom and talk. So I feel like it's a weird dynamic that I feel like people just really haven't gotten used to yet. And because they haven't gotten used to functioning in this virtual space, it's really hard for them to develop authentic relationships, right? Outside of what they're accustomed to. They're accustomed to shaking hands and hugging and and sitting down and like talking and sipping the wine and eating the food and all the things. But then the second thing I thought to myself was, whenever someone is planning an event, I'm always down for a site visit. And I think I'm always (laughs) down for the site visit. Well, we have our graphic design team here. We're going to have them join (laughs) us, you know? I think it's kind of like this weird thing where I'm on both sides of the coin. That's a great point. And you're right. I have made friends through the pandemic. In fact, one friend I met during the pandemic is now on my team. I ended up hiring her. Oh, wow. I love that. And that that was purely through a virtual connection we made. And she's now a rock star on my team. So I totally agree. And then another gal that was a panelist during a session that I did as a speaker in the pandemic is now a mentor of mine and close friend. So I totally agree with you. I think, I think it's totally possible. I think if I was to hypothesize, it's that people tend to spend less time on virtual events. They have less attention, more distraction. Whereas when you're in person at event, you're usually more willing to like, if you're going to invest the time to get there, you're more willing to stay there longer. So you maybe get exposed to mm-hmm. people more. And so then, you know, maybe there's more, more opportunities for the spontaneous connections and multiple collisions. Yeah. And, you know, so it's almost like by default, maybe you could develop a stronger relationship, but by no means, does that mean that you can't virtually? I totally agree with you. Yeah. I actually went to a conference just last week, international conference. I'm, I'm a 32 year old girl who's still like active in her sorority. And okay. so I went to a conference for my sorority. It was a week-long conference. And some of the meeting days were from like 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. And it required a lot of us physically, right? But when you're working with a nonprofit organization or an organization that's primarily like pushed by volunteer bodies, soul, sweat, and tears, you know, it's easy to get someone to sit there from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., right? But maybe not as easy virtually. So I completely get that. I completely get that point of view. I feel like that's a really great segue into kind of talking about your role a bit more as head of events at Airtable. What is one of the biggest challenges that you guys are facing right now? And how are you tackling it when it comes to putting on? You know, I think there's challenges for the entire event planning community right now. We've got macroeconomic issues. We've got COVID and now monkeypox resurfacing. We've got a potential recession. So I think that there's, and we also have really unpredictable attendee behavior. We used to be yeah, able to, yeah, there's no trend to follow. There's no trends. And basically what I've been telling people is I feel like I've had to throw out the last two years of data because like last year's data was all across the board and the year before was all across the board because there was just so many different factors that were changing attendee behavior. So, you know, I attended a, a leadership conference recently and it was in a way reassuring to hear that all my peers were having those same types of struggles and issues, you know, staffing challenges and budget challenges. 
and just unpredictability of attendee behavior and getting like what's going to drive attendance, virtual or, or in person. But then I think unique to Airtable, I think the challenge that I am having in my role is actually what I like the most about the role and why I took the opportunity. And it's not even really a bad challenge, but it's just Airtable has never done an event before. You know, our marketing org is only two years old and I was brought on to build out our events, go to market channel from the ground up. You know, our executives have never been on an Airtable stage. The team has never worked together to pull off a cross-functional tier one corporate event. And so it's exhilarating. It's so exciting to have the opportunity to come in and set the strategy and build the foundation and build the team and, you know, identify what does our brand look like when it shows up in the world. It's also a huge responsibility and it's like building a new muscle. Absolutely. Like you get to set the benchmark. Yeah. There's a lot of rigor that goes on into building a new muscle and you know, you can't do it fast overnight. No. It's building it each day over a long period of time and reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing. And so I'm doing a lot of educating and strategy work and making sure I'm cross-communicating and bringing everyone along for the ride. So that's, I think, a unique challenge to the situation that I'm in right now, but I absolutely love it. It's the kind of work I love to do. Yeah. And honestly, I love it for you because can you imagine like five years is is not even long enough. 10 years from now, someone says, this was amazing. We can't even supersede this. Like who did this? And you're like, me, I set the tone for this. I did this. I created this something out of nothing. And I think that's absolutely awesome. One of the things you mentioned earlier was when you were talking to some of your peers. And I mean, let's talk about peers, right? Like how important peers are just to have. It comes back to not functioning in a bubble, right? There's no way to get better if you don't have anyone to like push you and challenge you, challenge your way of thinking, the way your way of doing things. I think it's really also a big thing for us to kind of emphasize to people. Mentors are amazing, but so are peers, right? So having a group of people you can go to and also having someone to lead that group or lead you and where you're in direction that you want to go is super important. One of my first clients within the corporate event space was the National Trade Show Alliance. And I actually reoriented the company niche to primarily work with corporate event planners and trade show marketers. I want to say the company, I meant my design firm to work with corporate event planners and trade show marketers specifically after talking to them because they were talking about the fact that 60% of the workforce within the event industry hasn't returned to work because they didn't feel comfortable waiting for it to bounce back, especially with all, you know, cancellations, not really sure what's going on. Is COVID here? Is it gone? What are we doing? And so they start branch out, like looking at like other industries to function in. But I personally felt like, listen, I think corporate events, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It might metamorphosize into something else, but it's not going anywhere. And so for me, I feel like It's kind of just one of those moments where people have to just like stop and see what's going on in the world when they're thinking about how to continue to like expand themselves within their career without going, oh, no, no, I just give up. Like you may just have to make a couple of changes. So with that, right, like in your opinion, what's the most important personality trait or strength you think someone really needs to have to work 
in the corporate events industry and like actually be successful. I'm banking on just like a little bit of resilience. What are you banking? Oh, you teed that one right up for me. Yeah, I think it would be tempting to say someone who is super organized, you know, or has the ability to see the forest through the trees. But I think you're right. I think in this industry, you need to be flexible. Like that is the name of the game is you need to be flexible. You need to be that duck that is calm on the top of the water, feet paddling underneath, whatever you want to metaphor you want to use for it. But that's so important because no matter how much you plan every detail in advance, things are going to happen both at a micro level and a macro level. And you need to just be resilient and flexible and be able to roll with the punches and not have that completely destroy you. And also like having a growth mindset and being willing to think of creative ideas outside the box is definitely going to benefit you. And then finally, this is reinforcing some of our earlier conversation, but I think being a strong communicator and also a team player is super important because events really rely on this fabric of many different people, many different cross-functional teams internal and external teams coming together. And the better that you can be that quarterback and communicate things and make sure everybody's aligned and everybody's coming, you know, along for the ride together and has the same picture and is working towards the same goals, better the outcomes that you're going to achieve. I co-sign all of that. Not that I'm not the expert you are, but like, I completely understand what that's like, especially working with corporate event planners being detail-oriented, sure, it's important, right? But knowing how to make sure that all of your people are in the right place, it's really more about a communication skill than anything else. And sometimes people feel like when people are putting on corporate events, it's all a bunch of in-house people. But I mean, as someone who owns an agency who literally takes all the outsourced graphic design work from the actual corporate world and makes it work and then sends it on back inside, I know that's not necessarily the case. So tell me what kind of contact list do you think every corporate event planner should have? Or who do you think every corporate event planner should have on their contact list, like on speed dial? Like I need a good one of this and a good one of this and a good one of this. Oh my gosh, you need a massive Rolodex. (laughs) If I had to say, if I had only picked one person, I would say a really great mentor or a really great coach. Like we discussed, just having someone else to be a sounding board is really, really important. It can be a game changer. And then if I had a little bit bigger Rolodex to build up, I would also include, you know, start building up that Rolodex of trusted freelance team members that you can tap into. These might be things like an executive producer, you know, your agency partners. And these, I think I would be really careful to have some range. So range from boutique specialist agencies Mm -hmm. to larger full service agencies and knowing when to tap into each. There's hundreds of agencies out there. And just like any partner that you might select for yourself personally, you want to find the right fit and for the right event for the right time for the right specialty. So that's really important. Like it's one of the things that I do is I take time to meet with agencies and freelance planners on a regular basis, just so that I know who I can call when I need to staff up or when I need an extension of my team or when I need to brainstorm and kick off a new project. And I do reach out to these people. And then I think it's also great to have a great videographer and photographer 
on speed dial. That's, you know, something that I think people forget about and then are scrambling last minute Listen, for recommendations. Post-event marketing relies on those visuals. <laughs> totally. And like someone who's really great that will work with you. Like for instance, my photographer I'm using for an event I'm planning this fall, I've been working with him for over a decade. Oh, wow. And I know I can trust him. I know his style and he loves working with me. And, you know, I can say to him, Hey, this is going to be our first event. I'm actually going to share my slide deck for the keynote with you in advance and like pick out some hero slides that I want to make sure you capture our CEO in front of, because we're going to leverage this across so many different marketing mediums and having someone who's like, yep, I got you. I can do that. And like knows your style, you know, when he's going to deliver and how he's going to deliver. It's really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a difference. And then the other two I would say is a venue sourcing partner, like a merits. I lean on a lot and a great graphic designer. So I actually have shameless plug, shameless plug. I know it's funny. (laughs) I have a graphic designer that I use for my course. Mm -hmm. And I like, I reached out to him this week. It's so nice to have a graphic designer on speed dial when you just need a little extra polish on a slide deck, you need something whipped up for a promotional piece. I can't, it's money well spent. So those are my people I've got on speed dial. I love that. It's interesting because I talk to people, I talk to people all the time, right? Like that's a part of my 2022 journeys to talk to more people and to not self-isolate, right? And so in talking to more people and having these conversations, people who are my clients and people who are not my clients, sometimes they took for granted how much bandwidth their team didn't necessarily have or what skill sets they didn't have in-house. And they thought, oh, we don't need to reach out anymore. We don't need to have it. Oh, no, no, no. We don't need to. And then maybe like two months later, they're like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out where's that email? Where's that call from that person? I need to find this person or that person because my team's working 18 hour days, like for 10 days straight working through the weekend. They don't even see their families and now they're unhappy, right? Like you want to be able to create a corporate environment where people are are happy and productive and we're still getting things done on time and within budget, but in a way where it works for everyone long-term. So I completely get what that's like and completely appreciate that you appreciate it as well. On that same note, You spoke earlier about, or not so much same, but like alternate, you spoke earlier about budgets, right? And putting together budgets. And I guess it really is on the same note. Thinking about having these people on your Rolodex and who you want to reach out to, I think about, okay, that sounds like dollars that are going to be spent, right? What would you tell someone putting together an event budget for the first time? There's so many things. This is like a whole chapter in my book, in my course, but I'll give you a couple of nuggets. First of all, add in contingency budget, because let's face it, there will be things that come up that you didn't plan for or requests that come in. And it's nice to have a little buffer. So always put in some CYA, cover your assets budget. Like a couple of other things is think through to your point of like outsourcing and internal resourcing, really think through who's doing all the work on every little thing. So if it's a complex event, think through what your budget is for agency or freelancer fees or both. And just understand that this support can cost you a big percentage of your budget. And, you know, that's to be expected. It can cost you 20 to 30% of your total budget for a highly produced event. So 
that's something to think about is it's not just the food and beverage and AV prices. It's, you know, you have to think about your team resources as well and where those are coming from. And then I have a whole course on hotel negotiation. So that is, I could go on and on and all the ways that you can save there, but, you know, just thinking through the fact that there's inflation. So if you're planning an event the year out, trying to lock in current year rates in writing, knowing that there's inflation and hotels will increase their prices if you don't lock in rates and, you know, don't forget, forget your taxes and service fees. Those can add a hefty amount to your budget if you forget to add them in. Finally, I would say like when you're thinking about in-person events, food and beverage is an interesting area. You know, if there's a food and beverage minimum, really make sure it's reasonable best based on your estimated cost per attendee. If it feels low, like if you feel like you're going to be spending more than that, see if you can convert other things into food and beverage spend. I do this all the time. So if there's a meeting rental rate, see if you can slash the meeting rental rate and just get that added to additional food and beverage spend. That way you're getting something for your money. No attendee is seeing that you're spending X amount on the venue, but they are seeing that they're getting better food. So that's just like a little lever that you can pull if you're doing in person. Much more on that. We just don't have time for it today. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that's a really great stopping point, actually. If you don't mind, I would really love for you to share with the listeners, number one, where they can find your course. That's the first thing. And then where they can just find you online to reach out, to get more information and to really continue to learn from you because, you know, you might be the mentor they were looking for. Yeah, of course. Please do reach out. I mean it when I say I love, love hearing from people. It really is always the highlight of my day. So I'm pretty easy to find online. You can most easily find me at giannagaudini.com. You can find my course at giannagaudini.com slash course or giannagaudini.com slash shop if you want to just go straight to the checkout. And then you can find my book on my website as well or on Amazon. You can also find my contact info on my website and shoot me a note there on LinkedIn. And don't worry, guys, we'll make sure to drop it in the description for you in the episode notes so you can go ahead and click on over. Gianna, I just again, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm really excited and look forward to seeing all the amazing things you have going on in your career. I'll be following along. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. This was a great conversation. If this sounds like a show you'd listen to and you're down to learn with someone who's just trying to get through life one day at a time, go ahead and hit subscribe. When you listen to the episodes, if you really like them, which I suspect you will, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Trying to hit some platform milestones, so, you know, please take a minute to do so. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.